Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM. That's brand new Miami. Special treat for the early morning listeners here on a, a Wednesday. Uh, before that, you heard the um, selection from the Waterbury Yeshiva. Uh, that was uh, Gam Kielech. And Regesh, of course, Modani opening things up. As we say good morning on this Wednesday, May the 23rd, day nine in the month of Sivan, if you're in the New York area. Today we'll have some uh, light rain in the morning with a high temperature of 82, believe it or not. Clear skies tonight, low 62, and tomorrow sunshine a high of 78. Yerushalayim right now is at 85 degrees. And uh, we are at the 59 here in New York City as we say good morning on a special JM in the AM Wednesday broadcast. Today is day number one of our three-day fundraising marathon. We are... Um, Essentially breaking, not completely, of course, from our regular programming. I'm proud to say that's one of the things we do here is we ask you to support us and we continue our regular amazing program of music and special guests. Uh, but we are taking the time during this time, as we did last year during the month of May, uh, to take a couple of days, remind everybody why it's so important to support this amazing radio adventure that you tune into every single day. And uh, be among those who are counted among our supporters. Um, it's not complicated. After 35 years, it is not complicated as to uh, what we do on a daily basis and how we've expanded over the years to do this really 24 hours a day on a daily basis. Uh, we are an amazing source for great Jewish music, phenomenal guests, a lot of very important information, especially vis-a-vis Israel and the Jewish world, and as I like to say, we are a proven commodity. We have um, we have been at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network very, very, very reliable at uh, continuously, round the clock, and certainly every single morning, uh, bringing you the absolute latest information from our community and information from around the Jewish world. So uh, we ask the following. We ask that if you've received... In the mail this week, and if you haven't received it yet, you'll likely receive it today, if you have received an envelope uh, specifying how to support us here at the JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, if you've received an envelope describing the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting and how essentially it is the, uh, it is the way to support us and keep us going, then we ask you to return that envelope with a generous donation. Um, whether it's $180 or $360 or $1,000 or anything more or less that you'd like to contribute, that you'd like to give to keep us going, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. It's an amazing way to keep us going. There's another more immediate way uh, that you could respond to our plea, and that is simply by going to the website, fjbunity.org, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Dot org. And when you go to that website, you'll see the donate button. You, By the way, you, first of all, you could read the letter that everybody received in the mail. It's up there on the site and uh, explaining why this is such an important venture. And then you can go ahead and, um, and click on the donate button and, again, give whatever it is you'd like to give, any amount. And uh, if you can give the higher amounts, that would be wonderful. We'd be very grateful for that because it is uh, – these contributions that keep us going in a very important revenue stream for us, and that is the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. 
So everybody out there, and by the way, I would be flattered if uh, those of you who are um, who are champions of um, JM and the AM and Nahum Segal Network listeners, those of you who are real fans of what we do, uh, I'd be flattered if you went ahead and included that face and included that um, a web link, that web page link, um, on your Facebook page, so that. Um, so that everybody in your circles can be made aware of the fact that we need their support and that if they uh, are not regular listeners of this show or of this network, there's a good reason to support it and there's a good reason to tune in. Um, all right, so fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And again, I thank everybody around the world who's already responded. We'll mention some of those people later on this hour. And I take this opportunity to thank those who will respond. And again, I will, I'll put it now on my Facebook page. I'm going to go to my uh, Facebook um, a profile, and I'm going to remind everybody how to go to fjbunity.org to help us out. And I hope you'll do the same. 21 minutes after the hour, Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM with Derek Achim. Yeah. 
J.M. and the A.M. Wednesday morning on uh, day one of our uh, three-day fundraiser as we go today, tomorrow, and Friday uh, on the air asking you to uh, give generously and support us here at J.M. and the A.M. and the Nahum Single Network. I want to thank those who have already done so. Uh, we have listeners who, um, over the last couple of days, already since uh, the holiday of Shavuos came to an end, already have gone to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org to support JM and the AM and keep us going for yet another year. Uh, that was Mordechai Shapiro, of course. Miadir, Kinderlach had Anabakoach, Zevi Weinstock and Ari Zucker together with Shir Shel Shevach here on a JM and the AM Wednesday morning. Our regular programming continues, but we do ask uh, that at some point, uh, everybody out there who's listening to JM and the AM and uh, enjoys this radio program every single morning and our network programming all through the day and all through the week, uh, that you uh, dig deep and give what you can to support us and keep us going. The website is fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. If you'd uh, like to take that link and put it on your Facebook page and declare to the world that you are a JM and the AM Nahum Single Network fan, that would be wonderful. That would be great. And um, if you'd like to uh, contribute now, that would be wonderful. That would be great. Go to fjbunity.org for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. And there's one other method I wanted to mention, and that is the envelope that you likely received in the mail. If you're a regular listener of ours and you've contributed before, then you've received an envelope from us in the mail. Please return it to us with a generous donation so we can just keep on going. That's our commitment. Our commitment is the great music, the great discussions, the wonderful guests, all the important news, the entertaining banter and dialogue. Uh, that is our commitment to keep it going and to allow you and all of us to enjoy it for yet another year. So those of you who've already contributed, thank you. If you haven't yet, you have an opportunity right now at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And I ask that at some point, between now and Friday, if you know people who are fans of ours or people who are occasional listeners of ours and not always tuned in, remind them that this is the week, this is the time to respond and to give generously and support us going forward. And, of course, we thank you. Later in this broadcast, we'll thank some of the listeners who have already come through for us, and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. One of our specialties is great brand new Jewish music. This is brand new from your Achmiel Begun in the Miami Boys Choir. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Sandy Shmueli. Sandy is one of the great artists who appreciates the fact that we are here every single day entertaining and informing. And this is the time of year where we ask our listeners to acknowledge that, where we ask our listeners to please contribute what you can and be part of our fundraising effort to keep JM and the AM and the Nachum Single Network going. There is something called the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, and that's something has been vital, has been key to our survival and our continuing existence here with the NSN app and with NahumSiegel.com and with all the different methods that are available to uh, our listeners out there. Uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting keeps us going. Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting supports our efforts, and we need you at least once a year. There are some people who insist on doing it more often, but at least once a year to support us let us know that you want us to continue and uh, encourage us to keep on going here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. We designated today, tomorrow, and Friday, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th of May to this uh, annual affair, and we're hoping and uh, asking everybody to respond in kind. Uh, before Sandy, you heard Shlomi Kaufman with Yivarechecha. Yoimam, that was done by Milech Cohen. You heard the brand new one from Yerachmiel Begun in the Miami Boys Choir. That's called Esmach. Because we are, of course, the best place for brand new Jewish music. We've been like that only for about 35 years. So three and a half decades later, here we are at the height of the uh, technological advancement with the most amazing NSN app with a perfect way for everybody around the world, literally, to wake up uh, and to start their day or start their afternoon or start their evening with us. It's really a remarkable method that has been made available to everybody and it can be heard clearly. It can be heard clearly, without static, without crackling, without difficulty, (laughs) without an effort. (laughs) That might be the best one. Without any effort, it is really easy and really simple to tune in and be part of this radio experience. So those of you out there who, who love the information, the entertainment, all the different things that we do every single day, all the special shows, all the things that no other media outlet does, whether it be broadcasting from a nefesh benefesh flight or whether it be um, uh, doing special broadcasts from places like Fifth Avenue for the Celebrate Israel Parade, whatever it is that you as a listener have gotten used to, whatever it is that you as a listener have begun to really enjoy over the years, all we ask is that you support us and help us keep on going. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, do we have Galitza in the background? We do. Galitza is in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. 59 degrees, morning light rain here in the New York area with a high of 82. Clear tonight, sunshine tomorrow. 
85 in Yerushalayim. No other place in the world is telling you, outside of Israel, <laughs> is telling you what the weather's like in Yerushalayim, keeping our focus on the Holy Land at every opportunity. We do that. Please support us, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. The other way to support us is by generously responding to the mailing that we sent out and that you likely have already received. And uh, please just send that back with as generous a contribution as possible. And we thank you for that. Again, it's FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. FJBunity.org. Feel free to share that link with everyone. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Wednesday is next. Boker Tov from Jamnam. Galitzal, Shash Time, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashakore Akshav. הדוח השנתי של נציב התלונות על השופטים חושף כי רק עשרה אחוזים מהן נמצאו מוצדקות. כתבתנו מוריה אסרף. מהדוח שפרסם אתה הנציב ריבלין עולה כי בשנה החולפת הוגשו למעלה מ-800 תלונות על התנהלות שופטים, אך רק 81 נמצאו מוצדקות. 29 תלונות הוגשו נגד שופטי בית המשפט העליון, אך אף אחת לא נמצאה מוצדקת. עוד העיר השופט בדימוס ריבלין על התופעה לפי השופטים מסוימים, מעכבים מתן פסקי דין עוד בכהונתם בערכאה הראשונה, דבר שלא מונע את קידומם לערכאות הגבוהות. הרשות הפלסטינית מצטרפת לארגון למניעת הפצת נשק קימי. כתבתנו מאיה רחלין. לפני שישה ימים ביקשה הרשות הפלסטינית לחתום על האמנה המתנגדת לשימוש בנשק קימי. בהצהרת הארגון הבינלאומי בו חברות כמעט 200 מדינות, נמסר שהרשות מצטרפת על מנת להביע התנגדות לנשק קימי, אך בתחילת השנה הבטיח אבו מאזן שהרשות תחתום על אמנות עליהן חתומה גם ארצות הברית, במחאה על פתיחת השגרירות בירושלים. ראש ממשלת צרפת, אדוארד פיליפ, ביטל את ביקורו בישראל שתוכנן להתקיים בסוף החודש. ממשרד החוץ בירושלים נמסר כי הביטול נובע מאילוצים פנים צרפתיים. כתבתנו אילאיל שחר מעדכנת כי הביקור המתוכנן בארץ היה הראשון בדרג זה מאז נבחר נשיא צרפת מקרון. חבר הכנסת עופר שלח ממפלגת יש עתיד תוקף את מתווה מגן הצפון של שר הביטחון ליברמן. במסגרת התוכנית שחשף כתבנו צחי דבוש יושקעו חמישה מיליארד שקלים במשך חמש שנים בהשלמת פערי מיגון בצפון, אך במשרד האוצר לא אישרו עד כה שיסכימו למימון התוכנית. שלח תקף את ליברמן ואמר, בלי מקור לתקציב אלה רק מילים ריקות. למה להגיד חמישה מיליארד? אפשר להגיד גם חמישים, אין שום בעיה. בזה הממשלה הזאת מתמחה, במילים ריקות, בהעברת אחריות משר אחד לשר שני, תפקידו של שר הביטחון הוא להשיג את הכסף, לא לעורר דיון ציבורי. נירית זמורה, שמחבל דקר ופצע אותה אנושות לפני כשנתיים, העידה היום במשפטו. זאת לאחר שבית המשפט הצבאי ביהודה קבע כי המחבל לא אשם בניסיון רצח, כיוון שדקר אותה רק פעם אחת. זמורה קראה בריאיון ליעל דן להחמיר את העונש. המחבל הביע חרטה לפי מילים שממש עורך הדין שלו הכתיב לו, גם תיקן אותו תוך כדי, אבל רשמית, במרכאות, הביע חרטה. אני כן ציפיתי שתהיה פה החמרה בגזר הדין. החשש מפיטורי אלפים בתעשיות הביטחוניות בשל תנאי הסכם הסיוע מארצות הברית. שר הכלכלה אלי כהן אומר לרינו צרור בגלי צה"ל, אם אכן יפוטרו עובדים, עדיף להפסיק את הסיוע. כי אם בסופו של דבר אנחנו נעביר קווי ייצור לחו"ל ומפעל ייסגר או אנשים יפוטרו, אז יכול להיות שבטווח הקצר מדינת ישראל מקבלת כסף, אבל בטווח הארוך בנושא הזה אנחנו נפסיד. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי מזכיר כי הסכם הסיוע העדכני מגביל את יכולת הממשלה לנצל את המענק לרכישות בתעשייה הביטחונית בישראל. 
משרד התקשורת הודיע על הוזלת תעריפי השיחות של בזק בכ-12% החל ב-1 ביוני. כתוצאה מהעדכון, תשלומי הצרכנים לחברה צפויים לרדת בכ-16 מיליון שקלים מדי שנה. כתבתנו עמית חדד מציינת כי זו ההוזלה הראשונה בתעריפים מאז שנת 2011. מזג האוויר, ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות, אך עדיין יהיה חם מהרגיל לעונה. בדרום הארץ ייתכן אובך. אלה החדשות שעורך יותם לחובסקי. I'm not afraid. 
J.M. in the A.M. Kehem Chayenu comes from David Gabe. Uh, before that, you heard some uh, Eitan Katz with Hodul Hashem, both of those off of Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Here at J.M. in the A.M. And uh, we opened up the hour with R.J. 2. I don't know of any other Jewish music outlet, frankly, that uh, plays R.J. 2 and other uh, not-as-well-known groups, not-as-mainstream groups and artists the way we do. And I'm proud of that. It's yet another great reason you should be supporting JM and the AM and keeping us going if you enjoy this radio program on a daily basis. Uh, we are in the midst of a three-day fundraiser. This time around, it's three days, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th of May. We're asking people to return the mail you've received. If you've received mail from us, 
uh, over the last day or two. Please return that uh, envelope to us with as generous a donation as possible. If um, if you're possibly not on our mailing list or if you haven't received it yet, there is another more direct way, an immediate way to support us, and that's go to, to go and that is by going to fjbunity.org, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Uh, go to that site, hit the donate button, and give as generously as possible. Uh, the person who has been uh, at my side, or more accurately across the way, uh, for every fundraiser that I've done uh, in the in my radio career is, of course, the one and only Matis Weingast, who's with us live via telephone. He's host of JM Sunday every Sunday morning here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Matis, good morning. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you for uh, for having me on. This May I take this opportunity to wish you and Karen a very special Mazel Tov? Because just days ago, the two of you became grandparents. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, that is true. Our uh, children, Ellie and Ariel, became parents of a uh, beautiful baby girl. Orly Laley is her name, and uh, we couldn't be more excited. Unbelievable. Mazel Tov to the... Uh, the Engelmeyers. Orly, what's her middle Laley. name? Laley. Laley. Orly Laley Weingast. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I was saying it to, I was saying to um, a variety of people, a number of people over Yuntif, how it's unbelievable that we <laughs> we knew each other as singles. And not that that's the biggest deal because there's plenty of people, siblings and others in people's lives that they knew as singles and eventually knew as grandparents, but you and I, you know, met quote unquote later in our single life uh, compared yeah. to some of the other people that we knew earlier. And yet uh, we met as singles and now I know you as a grandfather. And when you think about it, it's just unbelievable. The whole thing <laughs> it is, is incredible. It's crazy. <laughs> it is so nuts. But anyway, it's wonderful news. Wonderful news. A great, a great thing to have, as they say. And uh, we wish you and Karen and the Engelmeyers and all the wine guests, a very, very big mazel tov um, from, of course, all of us here at JM the AM. Speaking of JM the AM, so you and I, for 35 years, believe it or not, have been asking people to support our radio efforts. Now a radio effort, I don't know if you heard what I said earlier, but now a radio effort where you could wake up anywhere around the world, morning, afternoon, or night. You could tune in to us, never have a problem with static, never have a problem with trying to get a radio station, never have a problem with tuning in. In fact, uh, an app that will usually go on at times, you may not even want it to go on. That's how efficient it is. And right. uh, and here we are. Here we are in the 21st century reminding people that as we provide this on a daily basis and encourage people to spread the word about having others tune in, uh, we also want everyone out there to support us. We want everyone to support us, give generously, uh, give what you can, and uh, today, in 2018, there are essentially two main ways to do this. One is to respond to our 20th century mailing that has gone out, and that uh, if it's not in your home yet, folks, it'll be there in the next day or so, uh, and respond as generously as you can, and we thank you for that. And then there's the 21st century method, Matis, a little bit more immediate, where someone, yeah. where someone can go right now to fjbunity.org, literally can go right now to FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and just hit the donate button. And that, and by hitting the donate button, essentially people are saying, Nahum and Matis and everybody here at, at the NSN, we love what you're doing. Just keep it going and keep this service 
um, out there for us in the Jewish world. So I'm hoping that people will respond and we'll do that as soon as they can. Imagine that. We're in the 21st century now. As you mentioned, <laughs> 35 years we've been doing this over a generation, and I think it's also amazing tying in the, the Mazel Tov wishes, for which I thank you again, that generationally we have now another generation yet in joining the uh, JM and the AMNSN family of grandparents. Wow. And, um, and, and this has kept going. The, 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 uh, the momentum uh, has always been there to carry us from generation to generation now, not just from year to year. That passed a long time ago. And uh, in addition to what you said in terms of the support of uh, JM and the AM, the NSN network, of which uh, I'm a part, thankfully, on Sunday mornings, and I thank you for that. Uh, you have the the uh, Jewish Unity Initiative, uh, which is responsible for many of the um, many of the programs that you have throughout the year that are extremely special worldwide, uh, and it also affords the ability of listeners to hear your programs live uh, wherever you are in the world. The most recent one, by the way, and I don't mean to interrupt. I just want to remind yeah. everybody because a lot of people think of the larger ones and think, oh, we're talking about years ago. Just this past September, this season, we were down in Houston to uh, express solidarity and to bring to the attention of our audience what was going on with the Jewish community down there. So this Jewish Unity Initiative, which you mentioned, which is such an important part of everything, it just keeps on going. People need to realize that it's a it's an active and uh, and wonderful program that you know when we feel we can make a difference, we go ahead and make a difference. And you're able to get to a place with relative ease right. um, in terms of the equipment, in terms of what's needed to broadcast from a particular location, which is not the way it used to be 20, 25 years ago. That is for sure. Um, we ask everybody to give. By the way, Matt has pointed out before the show, those who are not on our mailing list yet and want to um, and want to see our, our letter that describes exactly why it's so important to support us in 2018. If you go to fjbunity.org, again, if you go to fjbunity.org, the letter's right there on the homepage, and you can see exactly what we sent out to our past supporters, and um, that's a letter that I wrote and signed, and one that describes just how important it is to keep us going and how important this revenue stream is for us through the FJB website, the fjbunity.org donate button. So everybody out there, if you could share it on Facebook, we've already posted it, so if you could share it on Facebook and remind everybody that it's important to give, great. If you can tell your friends and relatives, those who listen and those who don't, because there are plenty of people who don't listen on a regular basis, but know that we're doing worthy work every single day that deserves support. So if you want to tell, in fact, someone wrote to me overnight, Matis, I got a, um, let me read this to you if you don't mind. Sure. I got a uh, an email from somebody who had received our weekly newsletter, because a lot of people, even if they're not listening, are still receiving the weekly newsletter each week. They'd like to know, you know, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So someone wrote, um, I haven't really listened in the last year or so. That was their response to getting the newsletter. The newsletter, of course, was pitching uh, people to support, you know, our most recent fundraiser, this one. And um, I wrote back, I said, do yourself a favor, you know, please do yourself a favor. Try to listen a couple of minutes a day because you will see just how worthwhile it is, even if it's only two, three, five minutes a day. There are a lot of people with short commutes or without a lot of time in the morning or just time between breakfast and, and a shear they go to. And I utilize those. When someone says to me, you know, I only get a chance to listen for five minutes on the way from here to here, I'm like, great. 
Exactly. Great. Those, I promise you those five minutes are enhancing your morning more than five minutes generally would. Exactly. So, so if people are either not listening, give yourselves a couple of minutes each day, or if you're only listening a few minutes a day and you think that's not a reason uh, to support us or to keep us going, trust me, those couple of minutes a day are very, very vital to you, and that's why you're doing it. You're tuning in because you want to hear what's happening, what, what are we talking about, who are our guests, what fun are we having? What music are we playing? What holiday are we talking about? Et cetera, et cetera. Did we remind you to did we remind you to count Sphira? Did we remind you that it's Rosh Chodesh? Did we remind you that it's a fast day? All those things every single day. So it's uh, two two very effective methods. Um, number one, um, return the envelope that we send to you with as generous a donation as possible, and we thank you. And number two, go to fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and keep us going. Matis, if you don't mind, I'd like to thank some of the people who've already, uh, over the last day or so, have already pledged their support to uh, to our network. That, that would be great. The early uh, early supporters are always the best. They they give you that impetus to keep on going, and, and uh, it's exciting. Yeah, you and I have always discussed that momentum is one of the key things uh, in a successful fundraiser you want you know you want one minute to to lead to another more successful minute etc 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 and we have people out there who give early it helps us tremendously I want to thank yussi cohen uh who donated overnight that's a double high donation thank you very much i want to thank um uh i want to thank listener Hana. listener Hana has donated in honor of her baby's and Zaydis, <laughs> Asher Zelig ben Shmuel, Pesia Bas Yaakov, uh, Yosef Leib ben Shmuel Zev HaKohen, and Esther Bas Yechili David. Wow. So, or Yechil David. So thank you very much for that donation. And as we always say, of course, if you'd like to donate in honor of somebody, in memory of somebody, etc., etc., all of those are welcome and really is a, a fantastic way to, um, uh, to commemorate uh, someone's memory or to uh, remind people about why someone should be honored. Matis, you know who we heard from overnight? No, who? We heard from listener Liz. Listener Liz. <laughs> oh, my God. She she donated to our fundraiser, and we thank her very much for that. Yeah, it's I thought beautiful. You, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Uh, uh, Rosalind Blasberger uh, donated overnight at fjbunity.org. Thank you very much. Uh, Ronnie Bergman, a $100 donation from Silver Spring, Maryland. You know, those of you who think we're restricted to the New York, New Jersey area, even though a lot of the events we talk about are, in fact, in this area, we are in no way restricted to this area. Uh, people, obviously, from all around the world are tuning in and listening every single day. Chaya Dickman, thank you very much for your donation. Again, that was one that was made overnight. Judy Berkowitz, a $75 donation. Thank you very much. Uh, Martin Dauber, all the way from, you ready for this? Lincolnwood, Illinois. Lincolnwood, Illinois has donated. Thank you, Martin. Former classmate of, we were classmates in JEC. Is that true? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, you wouldn't make that up now, would you? Uh, no, not at all. Especially <laughs> since uh, when, when he comments usually like on Sunday mornings and things like that and places, he uh, always mentions my Hebrew name because he was a gabai. At the Minyanim, and uh, he remembers my name. So he remembers your real Hebrew name as opposed to it, some of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, uh, oh, thank you so much, Martin. Great. So there you go, just a sampling of people who've really hopped the board early and uh, either based on my plea yesterday or uh, the fact that they got the mailing or the newsletter have decided to respond. So those of you out there, 
please take some time today. It really only takes a couple of minutes. Take some time today, even less than that, and go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and, um, and, and help us out. You know, no, go ahead, please. I'm sorry. While you were uh, talking about the sharing, I shared the, uh, the link uh, on my page, and I would encourage everybody to do that also in addition to contributing because in this modern age, it's a very easy way to, uh, to get the word out there from one person to thousands of people in, in just a few seconds, really. It's so easy. Uh, and we always get new listeners who are uh, anxious to hear the programming. And, and isn't it amazing, Nachum? You'll, you'll get somebody that maybe has never known about the shows before in the network and will listen, and they'll be so excited about it. It's like, I never knew this was here. And the excitement is so palpable. Uh, and, and it's amazing to hear how quickly and easily somebody can hear from anywhere in the world, and it gives them a tremendous amount of, of chizuk, uh, strength, and comfort to hear this programming. I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, especially recently, I guess because I've been in a lot of events recently, especially recently, people, you know, they didn't realize, and again, for you and I, it's hard to relate to this, uh, but they didn't realize that they could hear it. They didn't realize all the different methods that they could utilize. They didn't realize we're doing a daily radio show like we were, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that it's still rolling, you know, every single morning. And that's why I really have to acknowledge those who call in because uh, many people listen on the app, many people listen on the computer, many people listen through the archives, just three methods of tuning in. But there's a fourth category of people, of people who actually tune in live by calling the phone number uh, to listen in. And we should acknowledge those listeners because once they found out that for them the easiest method is and they could tune in by calling a number they were hooked and they were with right. us you know they're with us constantly so yeah. to all the um it's all and, that, and that's in the hundreds the hundreds of people that on a daily basis are literally calling a phone number along with the thousands and tens of thousands that are with us via app and with us via archives and with us via um the um uh, the uh, nachomsegel.com website um join in give what you can keep us going uh it's three days a break from, uh, we broke this tradition last year of uh, doing this for a week or two. We broke and said that we're just going to do this for three days and interrupt our programming as little as possible just to remind everybody how important it is to contribute. We still have regular guests coming up, even on a day like today. We still have all the music coming up, even on a day like today. And Matis, before we go to Rabbi Goldwasser, I just have to, um, I just have to ask you, you, know, you, you have an opportunity. You mentioned uh, every Sunday morning to speak to the world. Um, uh, with the JM Sunday, the most recent edition was the, uh, I thought it was an amazing Yom Yerushalayim special, which got a, a, a tremendous amount of attention from around the world. And you get great listeners from around the globe every single week. I mean, without this forum, without this infrastructure of a network, and I don't know anybody else, frankly, who has this, those types of programs would not be available and certainly wouldn't be available live. Maybe you could record an hour at some point during the week and toss it out there for people to hear. But to do a two-hour live radio show with the latest news and music would be virtually, excuse the pun, impossible. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, no, go ahead. That's true. Yeah, that, that's true. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, I enjoy doing it, because I know it can be live. I know it's there, and I'm, I'm relating to the people that are listening, and they're relating to me. Uh, the, the programming that you have throughout the week when there isn't live music uh, when there isn't live programming, is, is wonderful music and different uh, different uh, shows. But uh, to have something live, it gives a whole different dimension to which I know you know every single day. Yeah. Uh, you just feel you're connecting right there 
And uh, it, it is relatively easy to do, uh, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to do it, um, to, con- to keep on doing it, and to have special shows like the Yom Yerushalayim one. So I encourage the listeners out there who appreciate that, uh, you know, what we're able to do and what we continue to do and what the network is bringing forward. Uh, we used to edit some new shows uh, this year, and uh, this is what this is the end of the sixth season? Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> sixth season, it's amazing. <laughs> and thank God uh, it has been is been continuing. So, yeah, Sunday morning, thank you for allowing the opportunity. I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. And, and it's a different mindset also because I'm up early in this area to do the show. But when I'm talking to people, I'm cognizant of the fact that uh, depending on where they are in, in uh, London and Israel, it's later in the day. So, you know, you think about all these, these different things and who you're talking to, so and it also true. gives you a different sense. So true. <laughs> and Matis, by the way, is, is doing this on a Sunday, believe it or not, live on a Sunday morning, right? Mm-hmm. Who, would, who would ever do that? And on top of that, live hosts on Memorial Day this Monday, live hosts on Purim, on Chol HaMoed, <laughs> on Chol HaMoed, yeah. a day where a lot of our community isn't even up for the first half of the show, and we insist on having you know a, a live person doing a live show every single day of Holomoy. So this is, you know, this is a, this whole Sunday thing really has a, an effect on, uh, on, on so many other things. It's the same attitude, the same attitude that gives you live programming on a Holomoy day. It's the same attitude that gives you live programming on a Sunday morning. Right. I, th- I thank you, Matt. This grandpa. Is it grandpa? <laughs> Do we know yet? It's a Saba. Saba. That's a good one. Saba yeah. Matidjao. Oh my gosh. Do I love that? <laughs> Um, I, I actually, I actually asked if I could opt for just Matis, and I was told no. Oh, come on, Matis! Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just that's what everybody calls me. So you know, what can I? Do? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, not this young lady; she won't be calling no, you that. That's true. Orly Laley. Yeah. Um, I thank you. I remind everybody: fjbunity.org, fjb for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, or return the envelope we sent to you with as generous a donation as possible. Matidiao, thank you so much. You're welcome. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arav Zebin, and Zechonishmas Esther Basar, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read that shortly after the wedding of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Hananya ben Chachinai was leaving to the yeshiva. Rabbi Shimon asked him, please wait. As soon as Sheva Brachas are over, I will go together with you. But we learn that Rabbi Hananya didn't wait. Rabbi Hananya had the opportunity to be a Chavrusa learning partner with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It was the greatest Chavrusa that he could ever want. It's not every day that one has that privilege. Yet, Rabbi Hananya chose not to wait, but rather he left immediately. Why? The answer is that one has to seize the moment, even if it meant sacrificing a Chavrusa learning partner as great as Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It says in the Talmud in Erevin, Smart one, grab and eat, grab and drink, for the world we live in is like a wedding feast. Rashi explains that a person's life on this world moves quickly. It flies by like a party. Whatever a person can accomplish in this world, 
is what will always remain with him. The Chacham is one who doesn't become distracted. He takes in all that he can. We learn that when Moshe Rabbeinu saw the burning bush, Hashem saw that Moshe turned aside to see. The Torah underscores that Moshe turned aside in order to see. It highlights Moshe's willingness to turn from his path and to see what was happening with the sneh, the burning bush. This was the greatness. This was the essence of Moshe Rabbeinu. It illustrates the fact that we need to seize the moment. We need to grab the opportunity when we see the opening, the size of the needle. It's the initial step. That is what the Navi says. When in Yeshayoa Navi it says, Dershu Hashem Bihimotzoi, Seek Hashem when He can be found. Kira'uhu Biyosokoro, Call on Him when He is near. Our job in this world is to always remember that we have a phenomenal opportunity each and every day to get closer to Hashem, to do tshuva, to repent, to learn more, to do chasodim for each other, and to pray better. It says in Rus Rabba, In this world, one who is small can become great, but in the next world, whoever is small cannot become great. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. Jam in the AM on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Nachum Siegel here in New York City. I've, uh, I've mentioned um, that a week from Sunday, we're going to be on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Uh, our parade coverage, and boys, our parade coverage is going to be amazing this year. It's always amazing, even, even more amazing this year. Uh, is brought to you and presented by our friends at Aleh. We have spoken about Aleh on the air before. You can go to Aleh.org, Aleh.org for information about um, about their activities and about their incredible services in Israel. And with us live via telephone is Shlomit Grayevsky. Shlomit is the director of Aleh Jerusalem. Aleh is Israel's network of care for children with severe complex disabilities, providing over 750 children from around Israel with high-level medical and rehab care in four residential facilities in Jerusalem, B'nai Brak, Gedera, and the Negev. Shlomit Grayevsky, shalom and welcome to JM in the AM. Hi, shalom, how are you? Baruch Hashem, everything is wonderful. I hope everything is uh, is good over there in uh, Israel. Tell us, how long have you been associated with Aleh? Close to 19 years. Wow. <laughs> a long time, yeah, a long time. And what makes Aleh unique? What makes it? Um, what sets it apart in terms of its services for those with uh, disabilities? So I think two things. First, as you mentioned before, Aleh took upon herself to take care of the most severe, uh, complex children and youngsters in Israel. It says no almost to nobody. I mean, we accept whoever we can give the best care. This is the first thing. It is quite unique because you know that the, that's what we need to give the best answer to these children and youngsters is an enormous effort. And this is something we took upon ourselves. So that's the first thing. The second, the second thing I think is about our attitude. It's very easy, I would say, that once you take care of uh, needed people, doesn't matter their age or sex or what the cause is, it's very easy to give them the best care, the comfort, 
and the good food and good clothing and a nice atmosphere. But what's unique about LA is that we believe in these people. We believe that everybody can reach something, can do something that you couldn't done, they couldn't uh, do before, them and their families. And once you believe in the children and the youngsters, I always call them the children because I treat them like my own private children. Wow. But once you believe in them and you expect out of them, so they do reach a potential. And I think this is one of the things that makes LA very, very, very special, that you give the children the opportunity to really live their best lives and close to the most normative life that you would expect our children to live. Shlomit Groyevsky is with us, directs Ale in Jerusalem. Give me an example. Uh, tell me a story of a uh, uh, of one of the people you've dealt with who has complex disabilities, uh, who achieved something or did something that was, you know, simply unbelievable. Second, I've got many stories in my mind. The first thing I can think of is a baby which we received directly from hospital. It was a twin. His twin brother passed away immediately. It was a premature baby. And we received him from the hospital. And I remember the professor who told me, listen, I've seen his brain in the city. Don't expect anything out of him. Since we don't, I mean, we never react to the examinations as if they're the only truth. So we took the baby. The parents, you can understand, were in an, a terrible state. It was the first boy after three girls. And they were in a terrible state. They couldn't take him home. And he came to us with all the tubes, with the feeding tube. Of course, not speaking. They right. told us he was blind. They told us nothing would come out of him. It took us two and a half years, which one afternoon I get a phone call from the father, and I'm, I see him almost every day, and I get a phone call from the father, excited. He said, listen, look at the, at the WhatsApp. I sent you a picture. And he sent me a picture of his son. He was four at the time, drinking from a cup. <laughs> so this is something that I, I'm excited when I speak about it even now. I mean, there's something you have to believe in, and to reach him. So you can say, I mean, okay, so he drinks from a cup, so what's the, what's the great thing about it? No. For the family, that something could have been done with a child, and now they can take him home. They don't have to make all the, the fuss about tubes and, and, and machines and everything. They can give him to eat and to drink like a normal child, and they can take him home, and he can be part of the family with his other brothers and sisters. That's one, one small, small story. And I can tell you many other stories of, of children that need oxygen 24-7 and need uh, a nursing care 24-7. And we took upon ourselves to make them part of a Bnei Akiva youth movement, which we opened up in our place three years ago. And once we opened up a regular Bnei Akiva, I mean, you know what a Bnei Akiva oh, yeah. for our children is. Yeah. Every week, every week they come the leaders, make a, um, you know, some kind of activity with them. They go out with the rest of the Bnei Akiva students in the country to, you know, to, to, wish, to, to be short activities, summer camp, winter camp, for the special needs activity. But it would never occur on anybody's mind these children with the tubes and with diapers and in wheelchairs could be part of this normal activity. And this is a list. You know, Shlomit, in this country, we always talk about uh, disability inclusion uh, and the efforts that are made in our community and other communities to, to do just that, to include those who have disabilities and challenges. It, it seems to us in, in, in so many of these conversations with Aleh and others that in Israel they do this so much better than we do or other countries around the world do. We, we, do you get that feeling that when it comes to disability inclusion, Israel's at the top of their game? Listen, I don't know so much about the rest of the country that I can tell you that it's an issue here in Israel. 
It's an issue because every student of uh, high school students, even in the ninth grade, is part of the Tikkun Olam program these days. Um, that they're supposed to volunteer and get and get to know our population, all the rest of the people with with the special needs, to get to know them, to include them in their lives, to include them in society, to know that they're part, an equal part of society. So that's an issue from a very, very, very early age. And again, you have to believe first in this idea, and secondly, to believe in the youth, in the regular, in the normal and healthy youth, to know that they can make a change. And think this is again another another. Um, project, I would say, or an issue, a very important issue that these children do, that these young students do to carry out this program and to make it, to make it happen. What do they do? They, they, meet so with, they, they meet with them? They go on trips with them? What, type, what types of things uh, happen to... So I'll tell you, this... Th- sorry. That's fine. The Tikkun Olam program is a program that it's t- together with the Ministry of Education. It's, it's a very, very... It's a national program, Okay. And Alay's leading it with the Ministry of Education. The idea is that we, and not only us, I mean, many other uh, organizations who deal with special needs, we, we let these children in their schools to know what the special population is. Okay? So we go there and staff go there, show them films and give them the sensitivity and speak to them about it medically, educationally, I mean, in all means, what these children are, what can be expected out of them, what, how, is the work, how is the way to work with them, etc. And then they have seminars at our homes. I can tell you I'm part of every seminar twice a week. 60 or 70 children, young students come to our home, and they want to see the children, our children of Valais, at their own natural surroundings to get to know what it means a child in a wheelchair, what it means that you're blind or deaf or both, that you have no ability to eat, but still you want to taste the world and you want to enjoy the life how do you do about it? Where do you go? How does it happen? What kind of other projects you can do with society? And once they get to know these children at their own natural surroundings, so when it cuts down the borders and it cuts down all the, the I mean, it, it, it enables them, okay, to get to know the children on an equal way, to look to them not in a superior way, like we come to comfort you or to volunteer with you or to make your life happy. We come to be your friends. Because we're the same age, you have your disabilities, probably others have their own disabilities, but we can find a common way to grow up together and to have a good time together. Is this only That's happening? The whole idea about the Tikkun Olam. Is this only happening in uh, Aled, Jerusalem, or it's happening all around the country? All over the all over the four facilities, and it will be spread. So the idea that all young students of high school will be part of this program, probably in, in many other organizations as well. LA is leading it at present. What reaction do you get uh, from parents of those who have challenges um, when, when they are able to spend their time, spend their, you know, spend their time and spend these, these trips and these encounters with you know, students from around the country? So again, I can tell you a story about some other. We sometimes know these volunteers come and take our children for weekends. I mean, to their own homes, to synagogue. They sit uh, Friday evening at table together with them, wanting to go to school with them. And one more Shabbos, the mother calls me and tells me, listen, I want to tell you something. Her son is 16, and he has a friend of Ale, a friend at Ale. And she calls me and tells me, listen, at the afternoon, I saw my son, she tells me, taking, out, taking care of a 20-something-year-old um, boy of Ale in a wheelchair, fed in a tube, fed with a feeding tube, 
in a wheelchair, in diapers. He was the volunteer in charge of him, a friend of his. And she says to me, listen, the next time his teacher is going to call me and tell me that my son has a lovely potential, but he does not exceed it, and he can do so much more in school, I will remember this Shabbat Mm. where my son took care of this young boy and changed his diaper and spoke to him on the way to shul and spent all the time together with him, and I know I educated my son well. Amazing. Originally, that's a mother's reaction. So, I mean, you can understand the feeling. I mean, it's a win-win situation always. 100%. And the impact on the students, I guess, is obvious. The teachers see it. The parents see obvious. it. The impact all on... All the time. Yeah, the impact... Yeah, I'm go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. you see how interested they are. They ask all the questions. They want to know. They want to meet the children. They want to understand their lives. They want to understand their challenges and how, what they can do about it. Okay, and sometimes they do not know anything about these children. Okay, it's a distant area. It's a distant subject, and then they get to know them very, very closely. Shlomit Grayevsky is director of Aled Jerusalem. Go to aled.org. A L eh.org aleh.org for more information about uh, all of this information about team ale information about donating and supporting the great work of ale she's been with them for uh, uh for 19 years and they have believe it or not since 1982 since 1982 they're heading toward 40 years already over there at ale it's amazing um since 1982 they have provided israeli children with severe complex disabilities with the best available care and the opportunity to develop their fullest potential about how many are you how many people are you dealing with in Jerusalem how many are you directly caring for so living is living with us are 82 at present and another 75 or 80 come on a daily basis pretty so amazing schools and kindergartens and preschool programs that's in LA Jerusalem all together at the four facilities close to 700 650 or 700 pretty amazing. unfortunately but I think they're very fortunate to be with us uh, no question about it. They are very fortunate to be with you, and uh, some of the situations they're in, as you described, are unfortunate, but thank God they have somewhere to turn, and their families have somewhere to turn when they're in this type of situation. Ale is Israel's network of care for children with severe complex disabilities. They provide over 750 children from around Israel with high-level medical and rehab care in four residential facilities in Jerusalem, B'nai Brak, Gedera, and the Negev. In Jerusalem, the director is Shlomit Grayevsky. Shlomit, Todaraba, continue your amazing and incredible work. There she is, Shlomit Grayevsky, directs Ale Yerushalayim, and uh, they have now for 36 years been doing this work, and they have gotten to the point with this Tikkun Olam project where they are uh, in the tens of thousands of Israeli students who are experiencing um, this incredible program. Uh, participating with those at Ale and really uh, getting a hands-on approach and a hands-on experience uh, with uh, with Ale uh, clients, with Ale um, with Ale uh, students. The um, the website is Ale.org, A-L-E-H.org. Information about supporting Ale and information about all that Ale does is available on the website. Plus, Team Ale. Uh, info is there as well. Go to aleh.org, A-L-E-H.org. I remind you that Aleh is our presenting sponsor. They will be with us during the Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue in New York City. An amazing way for us to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora as we broadcast primarily for the diaspora. We will have this incredible partner in Aleh, uh, Israel, 
uh, along with us on Fifth Avenue, and we greatly appreciate it. Wednesday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. on a Wednesday morning at a minute before 8 o'clock. That's Amram Adar. Amram Adar with both me, Mama Kim, and Sason Vesimcha here at J.M. and the A.M. I want to thank those who are um, commenting on our app. Um, thank you, listener Yitzchak. Not only did he donate, he's recommending everybody else donate. Go to fjbunity.org. Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And I want to thank listener Devora. Uh, number one, she just made a tremendous uh, pledge on the um, on our app. But then she writes, "It's hard," and she lives in Israel. She lives in Alon Shavut. It's hard to pick what I love the most, <laughs> but likely it helps me feel very connected to the American life I grew up with, which included listening to JMN. And I love the app and being able to share parts of Israeli life with Jews all over the world. I dedicate the donation to my grandmother's yard site, Chana Bas Mordechai Aleh. Vahatzliach to the entire JM and the AM staff. Thank you very much for that. Much appreciated. And um, yeah, a lot of people who grew up with JM and the AM are now thrilled that even though they've moved out of the New York, New Jersey area, because there's so many of our listeners now in the South and in the West, and uh, have moved to Israel and have moved to other parts of the world, they are thrilled they're able to schlep us along with them. And it ain't much of a schlep. It's in your phone, it's in your computer. It has become very easy and very 2018, I'm happy to say. <clears throat> it's a Wednesday morning, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. One of our favorite guests 
is with us live via telephone. Not only a favorite guest, but a mentor of mine, I'm proud to say. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Gorak is the Libby Clapperman Professor of Jewish History at Yeshiva University, a prize-winning author or editor of 20 books in the field of American Jewish history. He was twice chair of the Academic Council of the American Jewish Historical Society and for 20 years an editor of its journal entitled American Jewish History. He is editor of the brand new book, Conversations with Colleagues on Becoming an American Jewish Historian. Dr. Jeffrey Gorak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. And I want to begin by making a contribution to Jewish uh, JM in the AM. Thank you. $72, four times high, in honor of our four grandchildren who attend the Mariah School in North Jersey, and specifically the Mariah Choir, which last night, last night, was part of a wonderful, wonderful concert that involved Yavna and Ramaz and S.A.R. and Mariah. And somehow, my granddaughter, Margot, had a solo. So in <laughs> honor of them, uh, $72 for the wonderful work you're doing. And I have your app, and I listen to you all the time. And it's wonderful to see how this show has grown. It is an international show, and it's a privilege to be on your show once again. I greatly appreciate that. The book is called Conversations with Colleagues on Becoming an American Jewish Historian. Now, I've read through this, and it's sort of like, and tell me if I, if I have the right perspective, it's sort of like taking, I don't know, 20 or 30 athletes and asking them why they went into athletics or taking anybody in any profession or a group of people and, and trying to figure out what it is that prompted them or enticed them, excuse me, into that specific area of professional life. Am I getting a little bit of the perspective here? Well, that's the perspective. And uh, besides being a scholar in the field of American Jewish history, I also see myself as an advocate for the field. And I became aware a couple of years ago that in a number of subfields of American history, uh, ethnic history and women's history, these types of memoir books uh, appeared. And I wanted my, myself and my friends to go on the record as to how we became how we became interested in American Jewish history, but more importantly, some of the challenges that we faced in, uh, what I say, growing the field from an area which was often dismissed by Jewish historians and American historians as just ancestor worship and apologetics to becoming a professional field. And you know, in the humanities today, it's a very difficult road for young scholars. Right. And I guess I wanted my colleagues, my younger colleagues, to know that we had a difficult time uh, growing this field into what I believe today is a very respected field in the field of American history and Jewish history. You know, um, I sometimes kibitz my uh, colleagues who do medieval Jewish history that while they study Rashi and Tosafist, uh, I spend my time uh, studying how Jews eat, how they dress, and of course how they play ball. Right. But that to understand the immigrant experience, you have to deal with the social history and all those types of things. So I was fortunate enough to round up uh, 15 of the usual suspects, and they all wrote very, uh, I think, accessible and insightful histories of uh, by autobiographies, if you will, uh, of right. how they became in, involved in American Jewish history. Unlike your colleagues studying and, and lecturing and writing about medieval history, uh, where it's all laid out for them, you know, from the moment they're born, because, you know, it goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years. In, in this case, what I found interesting is that 
it, it took a while and it seemed there needed to be certain points or certain things that had to happen in order for American Jewish history to become a subject in and of itself, right? There were certain important uh, landmark uh, points uh, that had to be reached in order for it to become a subject area. Well, we again, we had to overcome the amateurism which prevailed in the field for the longest time. Uh. And, and by the way, since I, I teach you yeshiva, it'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that I follow in the footsteps of Professor Hyman B. Grinstein, who did one of the first important historical works in American Jewish history, and his interest, much of his interest, was in New York Jewish history, which is mine. And I always say in every bibliography on New York Jewish history, G.R. Grinstein always goes before G.U. <laughs> but his work back in the late 40s, early 50s, even more than being history, was archaeology, because he had to dig up sources uh, that no one knew about. And this compendium, which runs uh, about 450 uh, pages, I think I signed that book to you when you were my student many years ago, wow. it still remains a book which uh, scholars uh, scholars return to. Um, the other thing is, one of my teachers years ago used to say that when an ancient Jewish historian finds a laundry list on a papyrus, it becomes a book. Uh, we have all different types of sources we have to use, and to integrate them into a scholarly manner, of course, is, uh, is always a challenge. And it's one of the thrills of constantly doing uh, uh, American Jewish history. So there's a lot more material available to you than, in a lot of cases than some of the other historians out there. Yes, and, yeah. and you know what? Uh, uh, I sometimes tell my medievalist friends that when they give a lecture on the Rambam, no one gets up in the audience and says, I heard the Rambam <laughs> say the following, and what you're saying is incorrect. Right. You know, uh, when I talk about things, writing contemporary history is very, very difficult because, number one, things are constantly changing. And secondly, you have to be very careful because people in the audience uh, – uh, have their own experiences and their own prejudices, and I try to go straight down the middle on some very contentious issues, uh, and there are people in the audience who come with their perspective, which is personal and not scholarly, so you have to balance it to the, the scholarly as well as the, uh, uh, as well as the popular. So that's, again, one of the uh, challenges, and one of the things that's very intriguing. Uh, one of the things I, I've written about, uh, and many of your listeners know about this, is that uh, but the rallies that took place, not enough rallies, of course, and Madison Square Garden during the, the during the Shoah right. to publicize the the destruction of European Jewry. And I sometimes ask my audience, does anybody know anyone who was actually there? You know, there were eighteen thousand seats in Madison Square Garden in the old garden on Forty Ninth Street, and it, you know the people uh, have relatives who were there, and their perspective of what happened is very different than the newspaper reports and memoirs of of leaders and the like. Dr. Jeffrey Gorak's with us. He's edited the brand new book, Conversations with Colleagues on Becoming an American Jewish Historian. By the way, that experience, I would bet, has happened to you in this neighborhood. You've probably been walking the streets of the Lower East Side, have mentioned something to somebody, and a local said, no, 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 no. that's not how it happened, right? That probably- that's that's, that's often the case, although many of the people on the Lower East Side are newcomers to the neighborhood, right. and we have to educate them about what uh, the neighborhood was like, and with the gentrification of the neighborhood, and some of the old buildings are, have been torn down, and sometimes when I do my tours, and I do my tours of Lower East Side and Harlem, you know, I point to places, and this is where this synagogue used to be, and now it's a co-op or something along those lines, or go down East Broadway, 
and you see the forward building, the Forvitz building, right, which is now which is now a condo. Right. So th- things are con- things are constantly changing. The other thing is, you know, when you when you go to Europe, you can see places where Jews lived for five hundred years. Right. They're not there anymore. With the nature of our city, with urban renewal and the like, uh, things are torn down. So, in some respects, people have to take my wor- my word uh, for it. By the way, the fifteen that are in this book, uh, how many of them are New York centric? Are, are, are there are, are the majority of them, uh, you know, with, with with the leanings toward the New York area? I tried very hard to di- diversify here. Uh, first of all, in terms of gender. There are more women historians than men historians. Wow. In, ter- in terms of background, uh, Steve Bauman focuses on Southern Jewish history. Jenna Josslett, who is in New Yorker, uh, uh, focuses on material culture. In other words, how different types of artifacts are used for the study of, of American Jewish history. So some of us are New Yorkers. Uh, two or three of us write specifically about New York. Uh, one of the issues within my discipline is whether you are New York centric or the rest of the country uh, per se, so yes, it's it's a diverse group, and we also we also invited I also invited in with Ellen Prell from uh, University of Minnesota, who's an anthropologist, and Stephen Whitfield, who's an American studies uh, specialist, to indicate that we are a porous field, and um, I should also say these fifteen people, and I make I'm the sixteenth. Our representative, uh, not the only ones doing good work. There are others who I didn't select, and uh, I may have to deal with that down the road because a lot of people want in. Are you uh, finding any people in their 20s and 30s that are pursuing this uh, field? A lot of people are going to this field. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our biennial uh, scholars conference at the new Museum of American Jewish History in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and there are young colleagues in the field, and Frankly, they're dealing with this great challenge today in university life that uh, humanities often take second or third place to uh, sciences and the like. The job market is a very difficult one. And one of the things I want to say in this book, and all my colleagues said, said in this book, is that the road they're traveling is a difficult one, and the road that we traveled in terms of uh, uh, securing our jobs. You know, Nachum, the three schools that um, first uh, promoted the study of American Jewish history are three schools that have something very much in common. They're Hebrew Union College, the Jewish Theological Seminary, and Yeshiva University. Yes, I know theologically all of them are very, very different. I understand that. But in terms of their students, uh, these are people who want to serve the Jewish community and want to know about the American Jewish community. So during the Shoah, um, there was a recognition at the three institutions, independent of each other, that it was important to study American Jewish history on a serious level in terms of training rabbis and teachers and the like. And that was the beginning of the professionalization of the field. But it took a long time for over 75 or 80 universities to recognize that American Jewish history was a valuable field that uh, should be studied and should be researched. So Mm. HUC, JTS, and our yeshiva were the first. And again, Grinstein was the first at yeshiva, Moshe Davis at the seminary, and Jacob Ray DeMarcus at uh, Hebrew College. And we had a book launch last week at at the Hebrew College in Cincinnati. And I spoke, and Jonathan Saunders spoke, 
who's at Brandeis, and Julie Rubin Schwartz, who's at Dean at JTS, spoke, and Gary Zola, who's at HUC, spoke. And one of the reasons we had this particular cohort of the 15 is to recognize that the field started to be professionalized when these three institutions, again, independent of each other, right. came to the recognition that this field needed to be studied. Very interesting. How do you explain the passion? You know, when people ask me, you know, why, I, why I'm up at 5 a.m. on Memorial Day morning when the rest of America is sleeping, I could, I could explain it. I, I could sort of explain it because of the passion I have for this work. How do you explain the passion that you and your colleagues have for this field of study? Well, this may be a banal answer, but this, this is what I do. This is what's always interested me as a person. I, I write in the book that my first teachers of uh, history were Walter Cronkite hmm. um, and Huntley and Brinkley and Mike Wallace. And as a family, growing up, every night we watched the news, and that became part of my consciousness. My brother became a journalist. I became a historian. And then as a college student, I became aware that the the intellectual world was something that I w- wanted to embrace. And being a committed Jew, that led me to study Jewish history, and that ultimately led me to be uh, an American Jewish historian. And I guess the turning point in my life was in 1971 when the NBA draft took place, and I didn't get chosen. So I had to, <laughs> I had, I, I had to do something else. <laughs> were, there high, were there high hopes at that time? <laughs> no, no. That uh, Actually, I, I call my essay a scholar-athlete that discovers American Jewish history, and namely I had, I had this great interest in sports, and uh, only 20 years into my tenure as a professor was I able to say, well, now I'm going to write a book about Judaism and sports, which uh, is the book that has sold the most copies of all my my twenty books. So I'm very right. I'm very proud of that. I, I think you once described it to me that yeah you had you had to prove your your validity. You had to prove that you had a real historic track, meaning a track record in history before drifting into the sports arena. Excuse the pun, because otherwise your colleagues would be a little bit more skeptical, right? Well, it's not only my story. Jenna Jocelyn's first book was called Our Gang: A History of Jewish Criminality in New York City. Right. And there was a lot of pushback against her. It was a very scholarly book. Why are you writing about Jews who are involved in the crime? And her answer, her answer was, I'm just paraphrasing it, was that in understanding the, Amer- the American Jewish immigrant experience, you have to study the good, the bad, and to some extent the ugly. Right. And this is part of our history as well. And how you get involved in your industry, whether it's a legitimate one, or an illegitimate one is something that's worth doing, as long as you do it objectivity, objectivity, and do it in in a scholarly manner. So she survived that. But uh, <laughs> to do your first book on criminality was a marker. And, and she writes that she had she had three things uh, going against her when she entered the field. She was a woman, and this field was very much male dominated in the beginning. She was um, writing writing about crime. And she was doing American Jewish history. So I'm proud to say we've come a long way, but there's still challenges that need to be overcome. By the way, I should note, because you mentioned sports, one of your more recent books as well is the one entitled Constant Challenge, Sports and American Judaism. People should check that one out as well. Uh, our friends at Magid Books have that on their website. Uh, the, the Today's conversation, which is called Conversations with Colleagues, where do people find this? Is it on Amazon? Is it available? It is now available on Amazon, absolutely, and uh, 
uh, people should pick it up, and it's, I think it's a I think it's a very interesting interesting book. Uh, people who are, who have delved into American Jewish history, who know the names of these scholars, like might be interested in understanding how they uh, how they chose their their first work and how they continue to do work in American Jewish history. And as I'm looking at my beautiful cover, the books include works on the rabbi's wife, on the history of Rebetzin, mm. uh, the history of Jewish radicals, um, uh, a few books on New York Jewish history, a wonderful book on Hanukkah in America by Diane Ashton, how Hanukkah emerged as a major Jewish festival, not only because of Jew- Jewish interests in Hanukkah, but also because of its concomitants, you know, chronologically with uh, Christmas. Very interesting book. And then there's a book called You Never Call, You Never Write, which is a <laughs> history of uh, Jewish women and their mothers, their interactions. So all this says that these senior scholars, and again, there are others who do important work too, have a diverse amount of interests, and they've all come together, and they're all my friends, and uh, none of them disappointed me, and they all wrote very accessible. Hey, they're all good writers, you know, and uh, they came together in doing this book for me. And you, with do, me. And you even have a book about the Lower East Side featured as well. That's also there yes, on the cover. Yes, Hashidaya did a book, Lower East Side Memories, how the Lower East Side continued to be the touchstone of American Jewish life long after the people who lived there originally, and not the people who live there today, exited the neighborhood uh, beginning in the 1920s when they moved to uh, Brooklyn, the Bronx, uh, Queens, and ultimately to suburbia and elsewhere in the United States. Right. Also a very fine book. It's called Conversations with Colleagues, everybody. It's edited by Dr. Jeffrey S. Gorak. It's a great one. There's some fascinating essays in there. I highly recommend it. Uh, Dr. Gorak, I wish you mazel tov on it. I thank you for your support, and I remind you that it's only because of you and a very, very small handful of people that I'm sitting here today. So I appreciate that as well, especially today on a day when we're asking people to help keep us going. So thank you very, very much for that. Well, thank you, and keep up the good work. I'm very proud of you. Appreciate that very much. Dr. Gorak's book is called Conversations with Colleagues on Becoming an American Jewish Historian. Check it out. Available at Amazon. I thank the Goraks for their donation. I remind everybody that today is the first of our three-day fundraiser. Whatever you could give, believe you me, it's welcome, appreciated, and it keeps us going at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, or uh, just return the envelope that we sent to you if you're on our mailing list. Another easy way to support us going forward. 19 minutes after 8 o'clock. It is a Wednesday at JM and the AM. I'm <laughs> 
J.M. and the A.M. Wednesday morning. A lot of discussion about our fundraiser on the app. I want to thank everybody who's actively discussing and recommending uh, fjbunity.org to our listeners via the app. Uh, listener Yitzchak says, Nachum, the money I donated is in honor of my 33rd birthday. Well, happy birthday to you. Uh, New York to Montreal says, I donated the Schusser of Fuerschleim of Shimon Ben Esther. Shimon Ben Esther, I've been listening for over 35 years. Wow, thank you very, very much for that. Uh, it's very simple, everybody. We're taking a couple of days to um, to do our annual fundraiser. We uh, changed tradition last year in 2017. We took the two-week intense fundraiser that we had done for many, many years and turned it into a, a three-day spring fundraiser. Uh, it's one of, uh, of a couple we do during the year. We encourage everybody uh, who has not participated yet in our campaign to do so. Uh, it's very simple. You have, if you're, if you are a, um, if you are a, uh, if you're on our mailing list, then you've received an envelope in the mail. And if you just get that back to us with a generous donation, then you have uh, certainly fulfilled 
uh, your task of uh, keeping us going and keeping NSN, the Nachum Siegel Network, and JMNAM going for yet another year. If you have not received anything in the mail or you suspect you might not get something in the mail, uh, utilize our 2018 method. Again, this method's ever open to everybody, whether you get the mail or not. Uh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. When you go to fjbunity.org, you can go ahead and um, and support us simply by hitting the donate button. Mark Zamek, my longtime friend, producer, uh, music director with the Nachum Siegel Network, is with us live via telephone. Mark, good morning to you. Remember when we used to say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon? Now it's a sprint. <laughs> Life is funny, huh? Good morning. How are you? Baruch Hashem. I want to thank listener Ronald, who has just donated four times high from Bellin, New Mexico. And I know that, that each year, especially years ago, we would always be shocked and surprised when we would hear from those types of addresses, that those types of places around the country and around the world. Now it's like it seems like second nature for us. Just this morning, we're speaking about donors that we have in Illinois and in Michigan and now New Mexico, and there are many other places as well. I, I mentioned New York to Montreal. It seems like it's a natural for us uh, already to to look at, a, at to, to view ourselves as a national and international entity. Who would have dreamed that we would have gotten to this point? Only with the help of our listeners did we get to this point. So I know it sounds a little blasé, a little too casual, Mark, but the fact that we're getting donations and support from really around the world is like, it's like, it's like you know, second nature for us at this point. Well, ironically, that when we started this endeavor together 35 years ago, or when I joined this endeavor 35 years ago, you know, you couldn't even hear us in Manhattan. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> And I would argue, I would argue, thirty-five years later, people were not able to hear it in Manhattan until our. Uh, fair enough. Fair our, enough. But once our, you go all digital, it's with you all the time. You know, you get into a, you get into a rental car and where you know, in Hawaii, and all of a sudden you're listening to James Nam. And by the way, I'm so glad you just mentioned that, because it it, it reminded me of uh, of a couple of encounters I've had recently. I, I do not realize, because I'm so spoiled having one of the shortest commutes in, in America, I do not realize how much time so many people spend in their cars. And it's not just those with daily, commu huh. with daily commutes. I have no idea, yeah. It's not just those with daily commutes to the office. It's also further than that. It's people who have jobs where they are checking out sites in different areas of the Northeast, for instance, or different areas of the country. And they could be in the car, literally, for five, six, seven hours at a time. And someone mentioned to us a couple of weeks ago how they literally, when they when they go on one of these journeys where they have to check out a facility, you know, seven hours from New York, they put the app on and they just keep it going for the entire seven hours. And we're hearing more and more uh, testimonials like that. So, you know, it's not just the three-hour morning show. It's not only the uh, uh, the program you, tr you remember trying to hear years ago through all the static and all the other radio stations stepping all over it. It's now a clear, in your car a second later, uh, broadcast for hours and hours and hours. And on top of that, a million other methods to listen. The archives, the website, the phone number, all these different areas, all these different ways to listen. So I would hope that just for that, for all the ways that we've gotten people to 2018, they'll contribute and support us here at JMNAM and the Nachum Siegel Network. 
I think it's also interesting, you know, you talk about the way people commute, and as somebody who most days drives into Manhattan and forget the fact that it takes longer and longer, I can't wait till next, you know, a couple weeks when school is over. Maybe I'll save 10 minutes in the morning. But there are people who have different, what let's call hops on their commute. They'll drive to the train station in somewhere in, you know, South Jersey. They'll get on a train, come to Manhattan. They'll get on a, a bus or another train in Manhattan. They'll get to their office. A lot of people have two, three, four hops. They'll take a ferry. But with the app, you can literally listen from start to finish uninterrupted, even on the train these days. Yeah. It is pretty amazing. Here we are, folks. We're here at the ready, at your fi- on your finger at your fingertips, 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. You can hear us on Saturday night. You can hear us on Sunday with live programming Sunday morning. And, of course, you can hear us Monday through Friday. And Mark Zomick, just like Matis is credited, rightfully so, with what he's done to Sunday mornings, Mark Zomick on both Thursday night and Friday has developed an Erev Shabbos show sponsored by our friends at Kedem, which is an incredible array of great music appropriate for the time of year, appropriate for the Parsha of the week. And this is on top of his responsibilities of being music director for us, really uh, round the clock, twenty four hours a day, every single day. So you have uh, you've added to this. You've gone ahead and you've uh, and you've enhanced the experience for our listeners by not just playing random Shabbos music for them, but by designating specific songs each and every week, so that each week has an Arab Shabbos show appropriate for that week. And we thank you for that. All I know it makes it it makes it hard to do reruns, though. <laughs> That's true. Although you could maybe you could rerun it again the same week next year. I know, but I usually even say the year on top of it, and there's other stuff going on, and the Hebrew calendar doesn't always. No, there's a, it's very you'll you'll know if it's an old show. Unfortunately, you've so, pa- uh, you've painted yourself into a corner. Oh, uh, there's no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> so please, everybody. FJBUnity.org make this a successful fundraiser. It's only three days today, tomorrow, and Friday, plus another 2018. Uh, plea, share our post. We've posted in a variety of places, including my profile on Facebook, uh, a link and a suggestion that people share and donate at fjbunity.org. Share it with your friends. Let them know how important a cause this is, even if they listen only a few minutes a week or a few minutes a month, whatever the case may be. And if you know people who are not listening at this point for whatever reason, Recommend they tune in for five minutes a day. Believe you me, if they only end up listening for those five minutes, it will change their lives. If they end up listening for five minutes, chances are they're going to listen for a lot more down the road. Uh, just make that suggestion to them like we always do and give as generously as possible. Mark Zomick? We were uh, having lunch on Shabbos with uh, mutual friends of ours. Yeah. And uh, he was one of, like, the the uh, out he, he he was holding out with the app after uh, you went off the air right um, but ultimately whatever triggered him maybe one of our you or my browbeating him to finally install it I think he even had to get a special attachment to his car for some reason but over the week he was like making conscious app comments that he was clear that he knew that you know uh, he made some joke about oh the beloved. And it's like, you know, so he, he finally came along, and now he's an avid app listener. Yeah, so. I think I know who you're referring to. And at a recent event where I saw this gentleman, 
he basically said, who had said to me that he'll never listen again. He said to me, all right, you got me. I'm completely hooked. I am, I am back. It's, you're right. It is as easy as you said it was. I'm sorry. The whole thing, which is great. Absolutely great. All right, Mark, right. thank you very, very much. Continue to tell all your friends and relatives to give as generously as possible. I always do. Everybody should give, 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 and then give some more. Exactly. Thank you, Mark Zomick. Mark Zomick, our music director and somebody who takes our programming very, very seriously. He knows that there are so many people out there who want to hear great quality programming they're not going to find anywhere else. I know there's a million streams out there, none like ours. I know there's people out there who claim to be connected to the Jewish world and give you unique stories and unique perspectives every day. None like us. None like us. Supply, or I should say support, our uniqueness. Support the fact that there's nothing like us. As much as they all try to say that they are, nobody's like us. Nobody asks the questions we ask of guests. Nobody gets the perspective that we get from people. Nobody celebrates the way we do. Nobody connects you to the state of Israel like we do. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Bring me any example. Uh, Within 30 seconds, I'll show you how different we are and how much better we are. Simple as that. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. If you're sitting with an envelope in front of you, uh, that you've received from us, return it with a generous donation to keep us going right here at JM in the AM.
David Burson. It's called Echad Hashem from the album Ten Lanu Chayim. Wednesday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Mayor Fertig, who has uh, plenty of experience when it comes to participating in fundraising marathons, or as uh, Mark Zamek accurately portrayed this fundraiser, fundraising sprints, uh, is with us live via telephone to encourage everybody to uh, spend the next couple of days donating and encouraging others to donate as well to uh, our cause and keeping JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network going. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Mayor Fertig, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Thank you very much. A listener just called me, said that uh, he went to the site and donated um, uh, just a moment ago and did so because he has a son in the Israeli army and loves our attitude and our uh, uh, celebration when it comes to the state of Israel. And I thought that was a, a really, not just legitimate, but an amazing reason to give uh, to keep us going here at JMNAM. Absolutely. That is a fantastic comment. And, uh, you know, uh, can I tell you something? I, I was thinking about this recently. Um, this, you know, so many people have said to you that they uh, they made Aliyah or they have plans for Aliyah because of JMNAM, right? Right. right. Um, I went to Yeshiva in Bar Park. My formative, you know, years were, uh, even though it's not the Bar Park, as Mayor Weingarten says, the Bar Park that's <laughs> not, you know, that used to be there, not the one that's there today. Right. But um, there was no Zionism in my school. There were a lot of wonderful things. I learned a lot, a lot of Midos and good stuff. There was, no, there was no Zionism. And I think a lot of that I came to later in life, and, and mostly from JM and the AM. So, I, I'm, I pa- I'm pausing only because you you know how meaningful what you just said is to me. Yeah, I, I, I've never really spelled it out that way before, but I really think that that's true. <sighs> nothing, there is nothing that gives me a greater satisfaction than when people make similar statements like you just made and when people tell us that part of the reason they moved to Israel is because of JM and the AM. And, uh, right. There are people we've worked with over the years who I believe – did not have a like you just like you just alluded to, who who may not have had you know close connections to Israel or realized, you know what Israel is all about, and you know and have a completely different attitude now, completely different attitude now because of their association with us. So you know in the old days I used to say for that alone you know it's worth donating, and of course that's true. Right. For that alone right. it, is, it is worth donating, but but now for some reason, maybe now that we're on our own. I like pointing out that that there, there's no for that alone. There's so many reasons. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a moment ago, I don't know if you were tuned in. Just a moment ago, I I said to this audience, I said, you know, anybody out there, because especially today, 
You know, in the old days, nobody had access or thought they could pr- pr- produce what we produce. Today, everyone, right. everyone thinks they could do what we're doing because, you know. Right, right. It's, it's funny, actually. Everyone, everyone. And I, and I said, if you give me 30 seconds, introduce to me anybody out there. And with all due respect to them, with all due respect to what they're doing, they may be doing some great work. But introduce right. to me, you know, for 30 seconds, any project that's out there on the web or any project that's a podcast or any project that's a, you know, what we call a network. That's being done out there, and I will tell you why they don't come close to what's being done here every single day and every single week. No, so absolutely, so, absolutely. So for those of you who would think that now there's less of a reason to contribute to what we do, it's just the opposite. There's more of a reason because in a landscape that is filled with imitators and filled with people who think they know how to present great, fun, informative, entertaining proper middle-of-the-road Zionist programming, like Mayor Ferdy just described, uh, now is the time when, when when we've proven nobody could do what we do. It's, you know, we welcome all challengers. You know what we are, Mayor Fertig? Yeah. We are the heavyweight champion of the world. We welcome all challengers. Let all those tough guys come try to take us down. Let them try to I, let them try to land the punch, Mayor Fertig. <laughs> So, so that's that's true and that's funny, but I always think of it as more um, that imitation sincerest form of flattery. Right, it is. Um, and, and the fact is that there are there are people doing, as you said, there are people yeah. doing nice yeah. things out there. Correct. But the big picture, the macro of it, you know, the you know the the total body of programming and the total body of original programming that is on the Auckland Siegel Network every day. Uh, people don't even realize it sometimes. As you were saying early this morning. You know, they, they may think it's still just JM and the AM, or they may not right. not even realize, you know, that JM and the AM is as it was 15 years ago, I heard you say. Right. There's so much on the, on, the, on the network every single day in so many genres that it's original, informative, intelligent programming. Yep. And that is... That is such a leap forward for Jewish broadcasting that, you know, it's, it's even hard. It's almost hard to describe. How many times over the years have people asked you, uh, why can't there be a 24-hour Jewish radio station? Well, <laughs> there is one now. That's right. There is one. And it's, it's not so, in Israel. It's in New York. And it's so easily accessible. It is so, And all the naysayers, all the people who complain to me now, you know, a year and a half later, now I laugh. Now I laugh at them. I'd say right. if you would just try it for five. You know what it reminds me of, by the way. I'm the same. Mm-hmm. I'm the same stubborn person that uh, that other people are. It reminds me. Uh, someone handed me years and years and years ago a gift called a Palm Pilot. Remember the Palm Pilot? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> and re- and reluctantly, at some point, I took it out of the drawer, tried it, and it was it changed my life in terms of you mm-hmm. know it, it was great. It was great. Right. There's still been no schedule like the Palm Pilot. iPhone doesn't come close, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Fine. And it was right. great, and it was wonderful, and obviously I kept upgrading to the next bomb pile, the next one, the next one. And I would say to people, you, they would say to me, "Can you know? do you recommend it for me? And I'd say, use it for 24 hours. Make the commitment to use mm-hmm. it, 20, and then th- there's no way in the world you'll, you'll stop using it. <laughs> same, thing, same thing here, but a lot less than 24 hours. I say to people, listen five minutes a day. Make a commitment that for a few days, whatever number it is, Right. You'll make the effort to go to the app, to go to the web, to make a phone call, to go to the archives, five minutes a day, and you will see what happens. And sure enough, that's what happens. People make the right. commitment. They they bite the bullet, and uh, look what happens. They end up being uh, regular listeners on a 24-hour basis. So 
There right. you go. You, you know, just just uh, ba- getting back to what you were talking about a moment ago to get to this message, uh, I think there are people who would like to know, Nahum, what model Palm Pilot are you on now? <laughs> I actually made the transition to the iPhone, and boy, was it hard. Because the, the scheduler on that Palm Pilot was so it was just it was it was dreamy. It was so good. It was really wonderful. <laughs> if anyway. I conjure up mental images of you, one of them is holding a Palm Pilot stylus. Yeah, of course. Remember the old stylus? <laughs> sure. Uh, by the way, when Mayor Fertig uh, just said that we have an opportunity here to do things nobody else is doing, he doesn't even just mean on the air. Uh, one of our great – and we have so many projects. Jewish Unity Initiative is worth its own conversation. I'll probably do that when, when Miriam Wallach joins me. But, mm-hmm. but, but one of our projects is Kosher Halftime Show, and you've seen it yeah. grow over the years. And, and, it is, and it's not something that's specifically connected to us in terms of it has to be you know, on the air here, although it is obviously you know, that night of the Super Bowl it is. But, right. but it's something that you know, is, is, is a special project with special meaning – with a special message, and in, and in this year's case, of course, with special guest stars who make it very exciting. So, you know, that that's, again, an outgrowth of all of this. It, none of this would be possible if not for what's happening at the Nahum Siegel Network. Wouldn't be a kosher halftime show. There wouldn't be kids who I keep hearing, you know, are watching it over and over and over and over because it's, right. be- it's become like, you know, the TV shows of yesteryear where, you know, they're so addicted to it they just can't stop watching uh, the incredible Mayor K videos at Chariot Sedic Medical Center. So, right, just another, Absolutely. just another, you know, piece to all this. But, but it, it, but it's even so much more than that because it's so many of these special projects and live broadcasts that you do in general, not only for Chariot Sedic Medical Center, but for other organizations. I mean, I've I've been around to a couple of places in the last decade or so because I've been, you know, recruited from one place to another. <laughs> Sometimes it's bewildering, but um, <laughs> it's, to be perfectly candid, uh, but I mean, I even think about something that I had a hand in when I worked at the OU. I mean, bringing you to the, uh, to the um, NCSY, uh, YOM NCSY, event for the NCSY summer programs that didn't happen when I first proposed it to you because of the war that year. But the next year it happened, and I remember listening to it thinking, wow, I am so glad that you are there to bring something like that to your audience. Yeah, and it's Because because otherwise it's almost lost. It's such an amazing couple of hours but for the people who are present but to to have you there you know uh, bringing it to everybody and that's just yet one more example there are so many yeah that's why i say to people it's all about the funding the more you fund us the more you you give us a chance the, the, the more creative and the more opportunity we're gonna have out there to really make an impact simple as that right mayor i thank you fjbunity.org everybody go to fjbunity.org foundation for jewish broadcasting do what mayor Fertig is doing Share it on your Facebook page, encouraging people to give this week. It's all over on Friday. That's it. We'll remind you afterwards about our about the fact that you could donate all year round, obviously. But we have this uh, three-day fundraiser where we're intensely asking people uh, to support us and to recommend to others to support us. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. And again, you can return your envelope that you may have gotten in your house already uh, to us with your generous donation, and we thank you for that. Mayor Fertig, I thank you again. My pleasure. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. brand new from Miami. Uh, there it is, the uh, title track to the uh, CD La Olamva Ed, Forever. Here at J.M. and the A.M. Um, trying to think here. There we go. All right. Um, reminder, reminder to all of our listeners all through the day as you listen to our great programming and bite size is, with ne- is next with Yoni Pollock. Today, Yoni Pollock will feature an interview that Tova Knecht uh, does with the uh, singer and songwriter and recent Ola, Achanala uh, Felig Harrell. And Joanna Shepson will speak with Dove Rabinowitz of All-Star Sports Camp. That's all happening on Bite Size with Yoni Pollock coming up between 9 and 10. Excuse me, Avrami will host a live lunch between 11 and 1. Avrami will be hosting a live lunch between 11 and 1 o'clock. Make sure to uh, join him and uh, and enjoy the live lunch. That's between 11 and 1. There's a website, fjbunity.org. That is the website, fjbunity.org where you want to uh, go and support JM and the AM. It's a three-day fundraiser. We're in day number one. It's a three-day fundraiser. We're asking everybody out there to be as generous as possible and support us and keep us going for yet another year. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. We ask everybody to share it on their Facebook page. I have shared the uh, fjbunity.org link on my Facebook page, encouraging everybody to support JM in the AM. And I would hope that everybody out there would do the same. You could share that one or you could share the uh, actual link itself. And um, we ask that everybody give as generously as possible. Um, I want to thank those who have been commenting on the app. A lot of comments on the app today about, uh, about the fundraiser. Somebody here says he's uh, moving to Las Vegas. I'll look forward to spreading NSN there as I do in L.A. I think that's L.A. That's it. A lot of people, uh, and this is the point we made earlier, a lot of people are all around the world now and still listening to us because of this magical NSN app. Thank God. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a Wednesday morning edition here at JM. The M Bite Size with Yoni Pollock is next. Tova Connect will interview singer, songwriter, and recent Ola Hanala Felig Harrell, and Joanna Shepson will speak with Dover Binowitz of All-Star Sports Camp. That's all happening on Bite Size with Yoni Pollock coming up next between 9 and 11. At 11 o'clock, Avrami hosts a live lunch. 11 until 1. Make sure to be tuned in. And have a fabulous Wednesday. Please continue to give and encourage others to give. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. Until tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. (laughs) 